Hi, I'm Jennifer Zollett. And I'm Larkin Bell. Welcome to our podcast, A Brighter Lens. chat with Emmy Award-winning production designer Amy Williams. Amy has worked on over 40 films, including a number of Sundance selections, in addition to several TV shows. She won an Emmy for her scenic design work on A Crime to Remember, and some of her other work includes Master of None, Season 2, HBO's Crashing, and the Apple Plus series Little America. We chat with Amy specifically about her recent work on Amazon Prime's new series, The Wilds. Enjoy! Thanks so much for joining us, Amy. Um, we're so excited to hear about the show that you worked on, The Wilds, and um, your whole production design process. So the show, The Wilds, recently premiered on Amazon Prime. Could you give us a brief synopsis of the show and tell us how you became involved with it? Hi, thanks so much for having me. The show is called The Wilds. They describe it as a dystopian slumber party. <laughs> But really, it's more of a bunch of young women who are suddenly, uh, due to a plane crash, stranded on an inhospitable island. And we find out very quickly in the first episode that there's uh, more than what it seems, um, that this is a part of a greater social experiment. So you could sort of say it was like Lost meets Lord of the Flies but with an all-female cast. So within your production design, you brought to life an island plane crash in addition to flashbacks and flash forwards, which really sounds like a design challenge. Um, We're wondering, how did you approach all of that? It's, you know, it's a little bit of a logistical nightmare, but when you read the scripts, you commit to um, the design for three different periods. So I sort of looked at it as um, before, during, and after moment and you've got the island which is its own world then you have sort of the the after where the girls have been rescued they're getting questioned you don't know what exactly is happening it's a little like obtruse and kind of uh scary um and then you have the before which gives you each woman's backstory you know where they grew up what sort of eventually led them to joining this like all female retreat. How do you even begin? Like, what do you pull from, or at least from this, like what were your inspirations? You, you know, you start initially, obviously it all comes from the script and the creator, Sarah Stryker's um, amazing, brilliant, demented head. And I think what they established in the pilot was that, you know, this was going to be a show where you have girls trapped on this island, but it's not like your typical tropical paradise. It's black sand, harsh cliffs. It's really, you know, inhospitable and and kind of cold and scary. Um, And I think that really set the tone for the mood of the show. And then, you know, I really wanted to play into sort of the naturalism of what it is to be a teenage girl in America and what their spaces really look like and what their worlds really look like. And, you know, not to create sort of this like bubblegum candy version of what being a teenage girl is like, but to give it the real deal. And then for the uh, the post-rescue facility in the Dawn of Eve, um, I wanted to create some sort of sense of uh, 
being in a completely foreign land, um, I really latched on to the idea that the girls were somehow taken to a post-communism sort of bunker area, actually like a communist era bunker that had very like cold, brutalist architecture. It was very functional, but interesting too. And it could be anywhere on the world, an army station or a federal government building could be. So we really leaned into that to sort of give it that that mystery and a little bit of a sense of confusion as to, you know, who's who's funding this? Where's the money coming from? Who's the leader of this experiment? So yeah, those are those are kind of the the approaches to the different worlds. And then, you know, things just really open up as you start scouting and and the palettes become apparent and, uh, you know, the shapes and the forms of the different characters' personalities start to really come through. Oh, that's fascinating. We know that you shot on location in New Zealand, which sounds like a dream right now. Um, <laughs> a dream. Yeah. How did you, just hearing you talk about your process, how did you incorporate the landscape of New Zealand into your design for the wild. New Zealand becomes almost a character, even though, you know, you, there's supposed to be a bit of mystery as to where they are in the world. And you don't want to give that away immediately. So, you know, we sort of use New Zealand as this kind of otherworldly fantasy nature moment in the middle of nowhere. So it could be an island in the South Pacific, or it could be, you know, somewhere off of Africa. Um, you know, but New Zealand gave us that gorgeous backdrop of really severe looking cliffs and mountains and really contrasty colors and like great foliage, really good flora and fauna everywhere that really gave a lot of dimension to the world where these girls were placed. Um, the rock formations are incredible and the volcanic activity on the island make it really special so the biggest challenge was you know we filmed all the beach stuff in New Zealand we also filmed all the stuff that takes place back in America in New Zealand so it was cheating America in New Zealand uh that was where the, the biggest challenge was. It was easy to shoot outside. There are so many people that help to bring your design to life. And we're wondering, how do you approach leading a team and setting the tone while working on a production? You know, you try to have as much face time, which is a kind of new, you know, we did this a year ago and that's when you were able to do that. And you could sit in a room with people and show them images and, you know, have discussions about characters and narratives and backstory and you know so what I do is it was it was a whole new team that I had never worked with before because I hadn't worked in New Zealand so you use a lot of references I use a lot of photography as inspiration I use a lot of you know I even put together playlists for my team so that they can kind of get a feeling for the mood and tone and then it's just a lot of architectural references and personality references. I did a profile for each one of the girls as far as, you know, what their tastes were, their favorite colors, their, you know, their, their adjectives, their worlds that we're creating. Um, so it's just a, a lot of sharing of visuals. And um, yeah, there's so many different points in the design process. So we're curious if you have a particular favorite part while you're designing. I really try, like this sounds so corny, but I really try to embrace each, each stage. Um, I definitely love the beginning part where it's just me in my head and I'm researching and looking up images. And, you know, the great thing about being creative is that, the you know, 
you become the sponge and the world turns into references for you. So you start looking at like the sheen on a wall and you're like, oh, we definitely need to put that into the Dawn of Eve set. Or you see, you know, certain shapes or light fixtures or patterns in the cement um, and it all becomes inspiration. And so you just sort of pull from your immediate world and um, expand on, on what you feel the script is trying to narrate. So I love that part. Um, I also, I really get into the like details of the set decoration, working with a set decorator and that moment of details and, and feeding little personality cues into a set is really important. You know, nothing is arbitrary. You know, everything is like from the bottle of water to the sofa to the shampoo bottle on their shelf. You know, you, everything has a meaning and a purpose and you just hope that it helps support the actors and helps support the story. And then I also like uh, making spaces like the architecture of set design and, and figuring out that practicality and, and how it can sort of support the storyline and you know how a hallway should curve because eventually in episode 105 we need you know we need a reveal of Tony and the Taki chips. Um, so that's really that's a really fun sort of like detective moment is, is piecing together a set and you know working within the confines of a budget and you know you only have so much stage space at this stage and it's shaped like an L so you've got to kind of you know rework what you originally had planned to make it work for the space and you know, you only have X amount of dollars to do it. So maybe we leave the roof off or maybe we, you know, have a false window or frosted glass. So there's lots of little little moments that are really fun. There's scouting too, which is, you know, it can be really tedious, but when you're in a place like New Zealand and you get in a van and all of a sudden, you know, a half hour later, you're in front of a waterfall. <laughs> you're like, oh, I think we're going to need to see a few more waterfalls to pick the right <laughs> And your whole day turns into looking at waterfalls and getting on ATVs and going through sheep herds. And, you know, that's amazing. <laughs> that's I would incredible. not be glad about that. Yeah. Wow. And it all seems so distant now. The good old days. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess, I don't know if you can talk about what you're working on right now, but just what are some of the new hurdles that you're dealing with in COVID scouting times? Yeah. You know, the biggest hurdle is the FaceTime you have with your other collaborators. Um, you know, there's there's a special time in a scout van when you're with the director and the DP and, you know, maybe a line producer or the showrunner. And, you know, the ideas start to pop off and, you know, you're, you're looking at the same things, you're experiencing the same things, you're talking about the script. And, you know, now there has to be this physical separation and you just don't have that. And it's terribly frustrating because it's, it's hard to communicate um, in such a, like a flat plane. Uh, and emails are the worst for creatives. We're terrible at them. <laughs> so it's just sort of a, adapting to that and, you know, talking to people through mass. And um, With production design, you're communicating with, you know, the directors and the ADs and, your own team and the location department. And so it's it's even harder when you have to sort of block that up. And I just find that there's never enough time in the day. There wasn't before COVID um, and now there isn't. So my last show right after um, 
New Zealand. I went to London for a Netflix series and, um, and that we started prep. And then about six weeks later, we were shut down in March. Um, we resumed again in August and it was, you know, it was, it was a very different situation. You know, you have to have much larger spaces. We, we couldn't have in-person meetings. I couldn't share an office space with the rest of my art department. So it was a lot of adapting. And then, you know, moments where someone in the editing department tests, tests positive. And so the whole show goes down for a week. And so you're like, okay, I guess try to take advantage of this extra time and not get stressed out. But, you know, that shoot, we just wrapped on Sunday and I'm like so relieved. <laughs> really great. It's like such a feat with all the obstacles of, of COVID and worrying about people's safety and, you know, also worrying about if your vendors are open or, um, you know, you can get to the lumber yard in time because they're closed or they're having, you know, issues or, you know, the prop houses are closed. So you, you don't have as many resources as you once did. And I think it'll equalize, but it's tricky. Yeah. I'm struck by how much adapting for just communication you have to do right now and how that impacts collaboration because the communication directly, you know, informs that. Well, I just haven't heard it in that context. So yeah. Wow. It's different than, you know, um, working with a set designer and sort of sitting, sitting next to them and, and, you know, having that body language to explain, you know, oh, let's make those steps, add three more and do this. It's a little bit different over Zoom. Hmm. Um, it's not impossible, but it's just a different way of working. Well, we end every interview with our lightning round. So you can answer in a word or phrase. And so we'll start with three, your favorite or most influential film. Right now, I would say the last film I saw was Killer of Sheep. And it, it had some beautiful framing and um, cinematography. Two, dream person you want to work with. Paul Thomas Anderson would be amazing to work with. One, best advice you've received. Very early on in my career, uh, someone told me not to excel in any talents that have to do with assisting. So he said, don't ever be the pretty girl at the front desk that knows how to type well. Um, or knows how to be a great assistant. And I really took that to heart. And I think, you know, in a lot of ways, some of my choices were to take, you know, a more challenging role that maybe I wasn't necessarily um, equipped to handle or experienced enough to handle. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, fake it till you make it. It's sort of another bit of advice <laughs> that sort of helped me out in my career because you eventually you do get there and, and you absorb things like a sponge. So, you know, not to start off with the assistant job. And Action, where can people follow you on social media? I'm on uh, Instagram at uh, Amy R. Williams. Thanks so much for joining us, Amy. Thanks, guys. Thanks for supporting the show. And it's a really meaningful project because it, it represents so many different moments in an adolescence life and it's it's a diverse cast and you know, you've got different body types and, and different you know personalities and challenges um, hopefully our show kind of people find themselves a bit in it and uh, you know I'm glad it's got an audience now yes and it's, it's coming back for season two right yep it's coming back for season two um Yay. and uh yeah I just read the first couple scripts very exciting uh, people are hounding me for what comes next. 
but yeah, this time uh, they're shooting in Australia. Awesome. New waterfalls to visit, maybe. New waterfalls, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Amy. Thanks. Bye. Bye. You can find us at abrighterlens.com and at abrighterlens on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us at abrighterlens at gmail.com. You can download the show wherever you listen to podcasts and on Apple Podcasts where we'd love it if you left us a review. Our theme song was composed by Jesse Nelson. Our logos were designed by Meg Cafferty. Our associate producer is Elise Welch. A Brighter Lens was created by Jennifer Zollett and Larkin Bell. 